it's it's just always so interesting how he will give me thoughts throughout the week. I mean, a lot has happened this week. <laughs> really, it, it feels like it's been a month since I've been standing up here since last Sunday. And it's been a week. And... Uh, <laughs> A lot has happened. An awful lot has happened. Um, he wants me to open up with something here, though. i got to find it again. Um, how many... I, I, know, I know we have people in here that, uh, that follow Lana, get the Lana posts. By the way, is she not emailing anymore? I haven't gotten an email. I, I've had to find it on Facebook. Has, has anybody else received emails? Yeah, same thing. I, I don't know what it's about. Lana, if you're listening, I'm not getting your emails. <laughs> but uh, um, So I have to look it up on Facebook, and usually I don't purposely look it up unless the Lord takes me there. But he took me there this morning as I was worshiping him. I'm just curious how many read this morning's from just a few hours ago. Okay, three of us. Awesome. I knew Jenna had because I saw she hit like on it. And... Uh, um, so this will be this will be fresh for most of you, and and perhaps we'll see what the Lord does with this morning. Uh, perhaps he'll because I, I made a slide and everything, but you know how that goes. So um, we'll see if he gets to it. But Father, we worship you, we praise you, Lord, and Father, we desire your will to be done. I declare it in Jesus' name. Your will is to be done. In this service this morning, in Jesus' name, I thank you for hearts that have been prepared to receive your word. So, Father, what I count on is that it is your word and not mine. I give you my mouth. I give you my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears. I give you every part of me, and most importantly, Father, I give you my will. That you mold it to speak what you desire to be spoken this morning. I can't begin to know the needs of people sitting in these chairs and listening online and later listening on the podcast, but you do. You knew it before the beginning of time. You had it planned out from the very beginning. So, Father, that's why we say your will be done, because you already know what needs to happen. So do your will, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a little bit long, but I think you're going to recognize the same thing that I did this morning in it. The title is... Pioneers, you're increasing into all God has for you. By the way, just, just a side note here. Um, almost from the very beginning, I, Brent is the one who introduced me to Lana, and uh, I think it was, wow, like right at the beginning, five years ago. I, I can't remember exactly when. But as, as I started to... She is a, a prophetic voice out of Australia... But her calling, oddly enough, she's in Australia, but her calling is mainly for the United States. And uh, uh, at the time, I'm, I'm sure she probably didn't even know, and none of us knew, what that was even going to be about. 
But as, as we started, and it, it just, Alex and I just start doing it because Brennan said so, and then, then all of a sudden, you know, God keeps proving these things out, proving them out, proving them out. And, and just like a prophetic voice is to be proven out, right? But then God begins to show the character of that prophet. And that there is a trust level that you can begin to maintain with that prophet. And that's, that's where I began to be with, with Lana. It doesn't mean we prove out, we, we go and we prove out everything that she says. But I want to tell you about a shift that happened. Because at the beginning, it was these things that would be coming up, right? And it would be things the Lord had told us directly. And then all of a sudden, we're hearing from her the same thing. And I don't even know how many thousands of miles away that is. But hearing the same, and, and not only the same thing, but the same terminology. Terminology, you've got to remember, I am not, I'm not from these circles. <laughs> I grew up independent, fundamental Baptist. Right? I am not from charismatic circles. So... I don't understand a lot of the lingo. I remember even before, before I understood the word of the Lord and stuff like that, coming from my independent Baptist days into the first church that was not that, I remember there was certain lingo that, man, that's just creepy to me. It was different. Now, it's just normal. But I, I, I'll never forget just going to this first function at this church, and, and they kept talking about the body. And I thought, who in the heck is the body? What, what, is there a body somewhere? What's the body? And then these other terms that would creep up. So, so you've got to understand, in, in the charismatic circles, I didn't understand a lot of these metaphors that, that perhaps are used. In my mind, I had no idea if they were used. And even to this day, I don't know if they're used. I know the Lord told them to me, and I use them. But we started to see them popping up with Lana, and, I, and it, it was such a confirmation of what the Lord was doing, because on this coast and on that coast, he was saying the same thing. So we began to, to have different things from her, and they'd come at different times, but they would all be these confirmations of things. And then the shift happened where it was not so much prophetic anymore, but now all of a sudden it was just that it was concluding what the Lord had been saying and, and confirming what the Lord had been saying. It wasn't so much that he told her first and then we're gleaning from that. It became where he was telling us, and he was using her as a completely, none of us know her, as a completely separate voice to confirm what he's saying. And again, it's our responsibility to prove it out. That's how you prove something out, is you let the Lord give confirmations. And he will. But one thing that was weird is we noticed that these many of her words, especially at the beginning, now, now you see it a little bit more diverse, except for what I'm about to read to you, and I'll tell you what that means. But at the beginning, it seemed like everything was about what God was doing 
impaired ignition. So much so, I, I was convinced that she was going to just come over here and be part of us. I mean, clearly that didn't happen. But what he was using it for was a confirmation. Now, as her ministry grew and as she became uh, had, a, had a larger voice, God started using that voice in many, many different directions of the bride. But you can always tell when she's talking about us. And this morning's an example of that. And those ones where she's talking about us, they are pinpoint accurate. You're going to see what I mean when we read this. Anytime you see where Lana talks about the pioneers or the forerunners, then you can apply that to what we're doing. And let me just begin it here. The title of this is Pioneers, You Are Increasing Into All God Has For You. Over the last week or so, the Lord has laid pioneers and forerunners heavily on my heart. Those that are pioneering with the Lord, he showed me that the fire has been turned up seven times hotter. This is going to really resonate with people here. Really listen. It's important. There have been incredibly intense, fiery trials against many of you in this last while. You have wondered what's going on or what you've done wrong or if you've missed what God has asked you to pioneer through misunderstanding. The Lord showed me that this isn't about you have done something wrong or you have got it wrong. The Lord showed me that there is an intense firing upon the pioneers right now. There is an intense purification by fire that is taking place upon you and, the, and what the Lord has, and you and the Lord has you, or I'm sorry, is taking upon you and the Lord has you. There has been fire of the enemy that has been turned up. But there is also the fire of the Lord that is increased to bring forth a further purification of the heart and purification of the vision that he has given you. This is not a bad thing. This is an incredibly good thing. It is painful and it is hard. But the Lord showed me that you are actually increasing into all that he has for you. This is actually a place of promotion. This is actually a place of significant birthing of increase in you, stepping into who you are in Him, and what you are called to, and major increase of the vision of what He has called you to pioneer and to build. Expansion and enlargement. I heard the Lord decree two words over the pioneers and the forerunners. Expansion and enlargement. Then instantly I heard 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10. And this is in the ESV. It says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. You may feel like you have gone backwards. You may feel hidden in the fire. But this is actually the place of God's deepest work of preparation in your heart. And in the vision He has given you to prepare you to step into the greatest 
expansion and enlargement of that vision that he has given you. He is purifying, strengthening, and fortifying. I had a vision and I saw the eyes of the Lord fall upon foundations. It was the foundation of the heart and foundation of the vision. The Lord was removing roots in the foundations and repairing cracks in the foundations where there were things that had taken root and found their way in that were not of Him. Lies, unbelief, man-made ways that were not the way He was moving and building. I heard His voice thunder, this is the divine restructure. God is restructuring things, and it is not a bad thing. It is a glorious good, and it is a new wineskin so that He can pour in more new wine than you have ever seen or experienced. He is preparing you for the greatest move of the Spirit in your life, of His Spirit in your life, and through the vision He has given you. He is making changes. He is shifting things around. In the restructuring, it is requiring deeper trust. Trust Him and know that He is leading you. Preparing you and making room for the King of Glory to step in like you have never seen before. She lists Psalm 24, verse 7 through 9. The puzzle pieces of the pioneers. The vision shifted and I saw puzzle pieces all over the world. What struck me was so many of these puzzle pieces were in hidden places. See, that's, by the way, that's an example. I never used to talk about puzzle pieces until the Lord put that in my mouth. And then the same thing we begin seeing in other places. Why? Because... Well, God gave it to us, so then it spread? No, because the same God, get this, the same God is speaking to us that is speaking to these people all over the world. How else can he coordinate an uprise? How else can he coordinate the readying of the bride unless he is the one speaking? See, in this church, you're not to come here and you're not just to listen to me and do what I say. Wow, if that's what you think, you have missed the boat. You are to come here, and you are to first prove out what I say, but you are to listen to God yourself. You are to develop a relationship with Him so you hear His voice. If you can't, you can't be part of that team. You can't be part of the remnant that is rising up that will ready His bride. Why? Because... God has to be the one to tell you. That's the purest way. God has to be one to tell you. That's why it's a process of building relationship with Him. It's a process of learning His voice. Because His voice isn't the only voice out there, guys. Satan comes as an angel of light. He comes as a familiar spirit. If you're counting on the fact that, oh, well, that, that, that sounds good, that, that's familiar to me. Wow, you may want to check that one. He said to always test the spirits. Because he needs you to know his voice. 
if you're going to have any effectiveness in the readying of the bride, in the rising up of this remnant, you've got to get your orders from him. They can't come from other now they'll they'll be they'll be you know spoken of by others. We'll get confirmations from others, just like I have, just like many here have. Everybody going to Nigeria in October that's moving there. They trust me, they didn't just decide one day, oh, I'll go to Nigeria. Dive. No, I'll guarantee you, every single one of them. And I know for a fact, every single one of them pressed in for the truth of that statement. None of them are going because I told them to go. You know how I know that? Because I never told them to. In fact, I've told them the opposite. Unless the Lord's telling you, don't. See, the Lord told them to go. And the Lord has then given confirmation of what he wants in their life. So they step in it. And they walk in it. That's what we're to do, whatever we're called to. We're to step in that because we play a specific piece, a specific role. And yes, guys, we are pioneers. We are forerunners. That's our purpose. That's our lot. That's what God has called us to do. That is an incredibly difficult job. It always is. Because you're going to be loved, you're going to be hated. There's a lot of hate out there, plenty to go around. Just look on Facebook. So as pioneers, as these forerunners, it is critical that you know his voice. Let me move on. forgot where I was. I'm just going to start up here at the. I think I, I think I went two sentences into this, but I will just uh-huh. puzzle pieces. Yes, but I, I, I can't. The, the wording is too small, and I can't make it any bigger. I don't know why I can't make it bigger on my iPad. I'm getting old. What can I say? Okay, I'll just start at the, the, I think it's two in anyways. The vision shifted and I saw puzzle pieces all over the world. What struck me was so many of these puzzle pieces were in hidden places. I knew instantly that the puzzle pieces represented the pioneers. I saw some of these pioneers that were so hidden they weren't known in the Christian world at all. But they were known by him in heaven Their faithfulness in stewarding what God has asked them to build was stunning. It had moved the heart of God. It was from mothers, it was from mothers stewarding the vision and pioneering new strategies and heavenly wisdom in raising their kids. There were people pioneering in the medical realm. There were people pioneering with the Holy Spirit in the church. There were people pioneering in the business mountain, the education mountain, the governmental arenas, etc. I saw that these hidden ones have come under such incredible assault. Fire and opposition of late. But the breaker has been set. Now to turn the tables and bring a huge shift. There are major rewards being poured out from heaven 
for their faithfulness and obedience. From the hidden ones to the pioneers that are known in the body of Christ and the earth. I saw them as puzzle pieces and they were coming together, carried by the wind of the Spirit. As the puzzles joined together, it formed a scripture. John fourteen twelve, and this is in the ESV. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. That's what Jesus said. But see, this, this coming together of the remnant to ready the bride, this can only be done by Jesus. Because he's the only one that knows the puzzle pieces. Because he's building them all over the world. And we are at the time where they will begin to come together. The Lord showed me that this is, that in this new era of pioneering Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is increasing significantly in the new thing, Isaiah 43, 19. God, in this new thing God is doing and as the pioneering Spirit of God moves in the earth and upon the pioneers, there is coming a major demonstration of John fourteen twelve. We haven't arrived. That, you know what? Let's turn to John fourteen twelve. I don't even know what that is. Did I just read it? Never mind. I know what that is. Sorry. See, you, there's, there's proof right there that my... My um, messages are not planned. We haven't arrived there yet, but it's coming. A collective, powerful demonstration greater than the works Jesus did. But we are moving toward this in this new era and seeing God entrust the church and the pioneers with greater demonstrations of his power than ever before. There is world-changing breakthrough that is going to flow through the pioneers that is going to bring radical transformation, change, and impact generations. People will be drawn from near and far to the fire of God that is going to increase on the vision of what he has given the pioneers and what he is building through the vision and its extension. I heard the Lord say, You have not even seen the tip of the iceberg yet. Let this resonate with you. There are greater things to come, greater things than you have ever imagined. The purifying fire of my hand is necessary. Remember what was said at the beginning, that fire coming against us. That purifying fire that hurts. The purifying fire of my hand is necessary to prepare my people and the pioneers to move with me and the leading of my spirit, walking in revelation of their authority to see my kingdom established in the earth. My glory revealed and my goodness and salvation resound like never before. The fire is removing the mixture. The fire is removing the dross. The fire is fortifying, strengthening, and establishing The enemy has come with the fire turned up, but all things the enemy meant for harm, I am turning for good. 
as there has been the fire of the enemy against you, and there has been the fire of my spirit bringing purification in all things, I decree that there shall now be a double portion released upon you, my faithfulness, or my, my faithful pioneers, as you listen to my heart and move where I am moving and build as I am building. The vision shifted again, and I saw the opposition of the enemy that's coming against the pioneers in their vision. And I watched as the enemy pushed hard against them, and the vision of the pioneers kept pushing back. The pushback and pushing back and forth has been long, and it's been hard, and many pioneers are weary from the, from the pushback and have been wanting to give up. I then heard the Lord say, resistance training. What many pioneers didn't see was the, in the wrestle, in the pushing back and forth, there was a huge increase of faith within the pioneers of God that he was building. Whether they felt it or not, God was increasing faith on the inside. There was an intense fortification taking place where the only option was God and his word. Wow, isn't that where we're at? That beautiful yet painful place was the place of the greatest establishment in Him. In the push back and forth, God was increasing faith muscles that suddenly there will be a shift. Suddenly, by the Spirit of God, all hope deferred will be healed. And there will be a major increase, or a major release to my pioneers. A gift of faith. Suddenly the tables will turn from pushing continually in the wrestle to living on the offense of faith. Victory and authority and suddenly beginning to take more ground and in greater acceleration than ever before. No longer shaken by the second heaven antics, but rooted in Christ and his victory. And his solution through his word like never before. In the wrestle and the pushback, God is weeding out and squeezing out anything that would hinder the pioneers from living in deep-rooted faith. God is bringing up the pioneers up the mountain of intimacy and living deeper and higher in the reality of being seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2.6 and placing more faith in what God says and what He is doing rather than distracted by the second heaven and natural circumstances and placing faith there. This major shift and increase of faith is the platform to not only see major breakthrough and fulfillment of His promises, but to believe for greater things than ever before as the blossoming of His promises manifest. Lastly, I felt an anxiety upon many pioneers because of what they've endured and many not seeing the fruit yet of what God has promised. So those questions bubbled. Have I missed it? What have I done wrong? How can I extend the vision when I haven't even seen breakthrough yet? I heard the Spirit 
of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, say, I am turning up the dial of my voice. God is going to be speaking louder and more clearly than you have ever experienced before. God is going to confirm the vision. God is going to give you such clarity like you have never experienced before in furthering the vision and extending the vision. God is going to make things crystal clear and more specific than you have ever experienced. Do not be anxious and do not be afraid. Just stay close to his heart. Yielded, open, surrendered to him in his way because he's turning up the dial of his voice. Much of what God will cause you to do and extend the vision will be impossible and way outside your comfort zone. When this happens, can I encourage you, obey and obey completely. Do not obey half-hearted. Obey will, obey will all, with all your heart and to the best of your ability. Psalm 119, verse 112, the Passion Translation says, I've determined in my heart to obey whatever you say fully and forever. In that place, you're going to see the power of God meet your obedience and your faith greenhouse you have been cultivating with him, and you will see extraordinary provision of God like never before. He is going to pay what needs to be paid for the vision. He is going to give you exactly what you need for the extension. He is going to bring the right people to birth the vision and its extension with you. He is going to give you all the resources and beyond for what you need to implement it all. There will be a major explosion of Ephesians 3.20 that will manifest in your obedience. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. And that's Ephesians 3.20, the Passion Translation. You are, in this final, you are increasing into all God has for you pioneers. Things are rapidly shifting and changing. Don't fight it. Go with the transition. Embrace the fire of God to purify and fortify. Know that where the fire of the enemy has been turned up seven times hotter, he is now going to deliver you and add to you. Your greatest preparation for the greatest demonstration and promotion from the hand of a God is upon you. Yield, surrender, obey. It's a new day. Father, we receive that in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but things encourage me in different ways. Sometimes, and some people are encouraged when they hear good things. Some 
maybe are more like me, where it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I just need to know I'm on the right track, right? That I'm stepping in the right step. Because good or bad kind of, I don't know, it's different. I mean, if, if you really understand the verse that says that what Satan intends for evil, God will work toward good, you have to understand that, that even the bad can become good. I mean, that's what the Bible says. It's got to be from a heart that lets it be that way, though. See, we have to be pliable. We have to be workable to the Lord. We have to literally open our heart and let him do whatever he wants. Now, when we do that, we, be, we become offensive to people. Don't mean to be. But see, we're, God is offensive to Satan. Satan is offended by God. That's why he fell in the first place. Because, because of his pride. So, what makes you think that it wouldn't be the same way when you open your heart to him and you say, I will step in your will, whatever you want. I just want to be closer to you. Of course we're going to be offensive. Now, it's not offensive like we're trying to be. Like, you know, I hate you. No, it's not about being offensive like we're trying to be offensive. In fact, we're trying to love. We are to be offensive in love. But guess what? Love can be very offensive. Because love requires something, an element to it that is tough. And that's an element of truth. See, love is based in truth. So when we go through these things, as we're right now, we are under fire. Those people moving to Nigeria are under fire. They're under fire. And, and by the way, I say this, and I also say it because we have, we're to come around them. We're to fight for them. We're to love them. We're to hold them up. Not just when they get there. Do you understand that their ministry has already started? Because in the purification is much of the difficulty. It's not even so much what what you face when you actually step into it. It's the preparation of that. So we're to come around them. So I just have to say, no, I won't. Apparently I don't have to say, not yet. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 10. Maybe the Lord will let me say it a little bit later. This, this is, uh, you know, Jesus with his disciples in this rich, you, you all know this story where this rich young ruler comes up and, and Lord, you know, what must I do, you know, to be saved, to have the kingdom of God? And, and he says, well, obey the prophets, obey the law. And I've done all that. I've done everything, Lord. Let me step into your salvation. And he says, well, okay, if you've done all that, then go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. See, do you see, do you see what happened there? He was defining the difference between salvation or justification and sanctification. 
I've done that. I've accepted you into my heart in today's lingo, right? I've accepted you into my heart. And Jesus said, awesome, that's great. You did it. Now get rid of everything else and just come follow me. And it's like, oh, 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 you know what? I'm satisfied with being justified. I have my ticket to heaven. I'm satisfied. You know, I'll pray for you, though. I'll pray for you, Jesus. As you walk in your life and, and the people that follow you, I, I, I think my place is here. Because somebody's got to rule these people. Right? You could just imagine the thoughts going through that rich young ruler's life. Or through his mind. That's the backdrop of what I'm about to read. And Jesus talked about how impossible it is, you know, for a rich man to go to heaven, and, but yet... What, what's impossible with man is possible with God, and he, he goes through with all that. Then, verse 28, Peter said to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Peter was making sure he pointed out to Jesus that they did get rid of everything. They literally left everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus said in verse 29, Jesus said, Truly I say unto you, There is no one, everybody say no one, seriously, say it loud, there is no one, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel's sake who will not receive a hundredfold Everybody say a hundredfold. Hundredfold. Now in this time. Houses. And he goes then to quantify that. He, 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 he's not saying, oh, just in happiness. You know, you'll give up everything, but don't worry, because you'll be happy. You'll, you'll be in this blissful place that you realize you don't even need a pillow. Because you're in a blissful place. I don't know about you. That's not worked for me. I need a pillow. It's difficult. I took, for those of you who travel with me, you know I take a pillow everywhere. Isn't that stupid? But you know what? Commercial for my pillow. My pillow is awesome. And maybe it's just my particular my pillow, but I take it everywhere I go. So does that mean that if I follow him, I could be in this blissful thought that, well, I don't need my my pillow anymore. Yeah, it's not about that. He even quantifies. He says, houses, brothers, sister, mother, children, lands. And if it stopped right there, we'd probably be a lot happier. But the next part he says is with persecutions. See, there's a cost following Jesus Christ. It's not and what he's telling Peter there and telling the rest of the disciples is that yes, it cost you everything, but guess what? Everything's going to be given back a hundredfold in this life. Whatever that looks like in this life Jesus said it. And and by the way, you look at their lives, he performed it. You look through the book of Acts. You look at first Second Peter, you look at what happened with the disciples and apostles as they built the beginning of the church. Jesus did exactly what he said here. But he said, with persecution, 
Why? Because we live in a fallen world that needs healing. We live in a world that was literally turned over to the enemy. Now that was won back by Jesus Christ. The title deed of the earth that Adam handed over to Satan, Jesus won back on the cross. But he only won the right to it. He hasn't taken it yet. Kind of weird, huh? Man, if it were me, and I earned the right to something, I would have taken it right away, right? That's our thinking. But see, Jesus said, it's not time yet because of the time of the Gentile, which, which was the mystery of the Old Testament, was that the Gentiles would be included in the promise. And the time of the Gentile is not fulfilled because, see, there's a specific number that we're going to get to that become his children, and then Jesus will come back in victory. He will come back, and he will come back and claim the title deed of the earth. And that's when he rules with iron fist and all that. You know that. That's the millennium. That hasn't happened yet. Right? So now we walk and we have to be in these persecutions because we live in a fallen world. I'm telling you, to be a forerunner, to be a pioneer, get used to the heat, guys. Get used to it. Because it's going to come at you for the rest of your life. But that isn't a negative thing. Because, see, one who plows, if they don't meet resistance, guess what? They're not plowing. They open their eyes and realize, oh, this road's paved. I'm not plowing anything. There's no resistance. It's when they start to plow new ground, which is what the calling is of a pioneer and a forerunner, it's when they plow that new ground that they hit all that resistance. So I just want to say, Our hope is in Christ, period. He vindicates, period. All will be vindicated when we're before him and before his throne, certainly. But he just said here, he'll vindicate here. He'll vindicate here. I mean, if you look on the internet and you look at, look at my emails, you see that we don't have vindication right now. Right? The things that are said about those who plow is that they're, they're crazy. They're on the wrong path. They're going the wrong direction. They're not hearing from the right source. Do you know those are the same things that they said about Noah? The same things that they said about Moses. The same things that they said about David when he wanted to go out and go after Goliath. See, we don't have to prove out those things, guys. It's not our job. Our job is obedience. Our job is love. 
Our job is relationship like this and then relationship like this. And the purity of that relationship is where he guides every step. But the vindication is his, and it's coming. This last week has been quite an extraordinary week. On Monday, Michael and I were with the Tortive, the Tief King, and his staff, and the Queen. We took them down to the ranch that was in northern Virginia that, that we were working with so they could see it. And, th- and that was really cool. That was really cool. They, they were blown away, amazed. I, I, was, I was just enjoying watching their faces and what God was showing them and downloading and everything else. But the truly amazing part came after we got back to, to the hotel that was down there. We spent about five hours talking. Is that about right? About five hours. I mean, you know you're sitting there talking a long time when your rear end just starts to hurt, right? Because you're sitting in the same spot. But we had amazing conversation. Their hearts are for the people, the Teev people, but their hearts are for God. Their hearts, they've been put in this position because of their relationship with God. Well, that night, it was interesting because... Let me back up. Let me back up a day. Monday morning, we're going down, and, and I'm going to have you put that picture up, um, Anissa. Uh, not, not yet. Give it a second. But the, the first one, the, the, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm, we're driving down, and, and I get this phone call from, from uh, Alexis and Yvonne. It came out. It came out. It came out. See, Brooke and Alexis had captured this little caterpillar and brought it home to Yvonne, who likes to collect just about anything. (laughs) She put it in this jar with some leaves and a few twigs, and next thing you knew, a couple days later, it made a cocoon. And I thought, oh, well, that's cool. I mean, usually when I did that, they just die. (laughs) So it had this cocoon, and literally for weeks, it had this cocoon, and and, and I get this phone call as we're driving down to Virginia. It came out. It came out. They're so excited. And they send me this picture. And, and what it, it wasn't a butterfly. It was a moth. But it wasn't a regular moth. It was like gargantuan moth. <laughs> it, was, it was a Luna moth, we found out as we researched it. But the, I'm, I'm talking, you can put the picture up there. I'm talking, you know, four to Four inches across. That, that is the actual picture of it. That's not from the Internet. They all basically look the same. But it, it had come out in the morning, and they put it out on, on our deck. You can see clearly that I have not painted the deck in a while. Put it, put it out on the deck, and it just sat there throughout the day, kind of drying its wings, wouldn't fly away. And, of course, we didn't know till later that they don't. They don't fly away till it gets dark. All their stuff is at night. They, they also, very interesting things about the Lunamoth, they, they live about seven to ten days. They don't eat. They don't even have mouths to eat. Their little, the whole reason why they become these moths is they, they mate, and then they have babies, and then they die. But the interesting thing that the Lord showed me 
was the culmination of a transition. Right? See, it seemed like it took forever that this thing was in the cocoon. And I, and I remember thinking, Yvonne is lucky that I wasn't the one that put it in there because I would try a different experiment. You know, those experiments when you tear it open and they can't, you know, develop and uh, whatever. I'm sure science has done that before, so I'm not the only weird one that would do that. Sorry, honey. I know. She, she, she's going to say something to me later. But it just took forever. It took forever. I'm over three weeks for this to remold in this cocoon before it came out as this beautiful, beautiful moth. And what the Lord laid on my heart and laid on Alexis' heart was this shift that was happening. It wasn't a promised shift. See, this was something that has happened. And that night, of course, that day we, we went, to the, uh, went to the ranch and all that. Now I'm back forward again to that night. I go to sleep. After five hours of conversation that I, I can't even share 95% of it. It was extraordinary. It was life-changing stuff. And I went to bed, and I had this dream. The dream was tough. It was tough. The dream was in two parts, and I don't even remember it all. I just remember parts of it. It started out, I, I can't remember if it started out in Nigeria or started out here, but it included both. But it was about war. It was about war and about war coming. Now, I didn't know fully what that means. I still don't know fully what that means because I can tell you what the Lord's shown me is there is a spiritual war coming and it's been on the doorstep. It's already been fought and is continuing to fight here in America, but it will be fought in Nigeria. It has to be. Because what is in charge of Africa must be gone for God to raise up his bride. Do you understand that? It's kind of like if a house is yours and somebody's living in it, you can't just go live there and, and live about your life and, and pretend they're not there. They have to be gone. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to anybody? Okay, it's no different than what God is going to do to each continent that we're sent to. See, there is something that is over the continent of Africa, and its throne, the Lord showed me that night, is in Nigeria. I don't know where. I know he'll show that. I also know somehow, I don't, I don't know how, but somehow it is connected to something that we are going to be in relationship with there. I have a feeling it is either Tortif, or it's the governor, or it's both. But it's going to be in their ancestry, just like it was in my ancestry here. But that spiritual war is going to be fought to literally free not only Nigeria, not only Benue State, but all of Africa. 
But that war is coming. And then the Lord gave me a word in that dream specifically for the king and for the queen that I I can't share. But when I woke up from this dream, I woke up and and sat up in bed. And you you guys have experienced this. I sat up in bed and the, the Lord gave me a sign that he has established as a sign for me. And I look at the clock and it's 3.33. And I just, I just started bawling. Trying to keep it down so I didn't wake Michael up. Turned out, yeah, he, he, he was awake anyways. But what he showed was everything that we had talked about. Everything that we had talked about in those five hours. God is establishing now, now I got to tell you that that was not just about what was happening in Nigeria. Nigeria was a portion of it. But it was what he was establishing in this country. What he was establishing in truth. What we've been fighting for for years. Transparency in this government. By the way, Don't be, what's the word? What comes to my mind is alarmed, but don't be alarmed as to some of the twists and turns. Because sometimes they're not what you think they are. Other times it may be a way that God uses around it. (sighs) But understand, some of them are a trap for the enemy. I don't know how many of you follow politics and follow transparency in this country, but I was a little blown away when I heard yesterday morning that Epstein had presumably killed himself. You know, the person who could literally lift the lid off most of the human trafficking here in America. First of all, the Lord reminded me that he's not the only one. But also don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if that was not something that the Lord is using to bait the enemy. Just trust him. Just trust him what he's doing. We don't have to figure it out. We just have to engage and we have to pray. We have to go to war. When we're on that prayer call, that's exactly what we're doing. Do you understand, when we're going to war on that prayer call, we're going to war for Carson. We do that every night. See, Carson has been, for those, I think most people probably know, because I think it's been on God's squad, I, I don't know, but we get, we get texts. But, but Carson has been in tremendous amounts of pain coming off this one medication. Tremendous amounts of pain. See, even though that's a good thing, we fight what the enemy is trying to do. We fight together. We bond together and fight. If we don't, we're fragmented. And there isn't the same power, the same authority in that. And see, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility in doing these things because it's our calling. We have a responsibility in plowing because it's our calling. 
we have a responsibility in fighting for each other because it's our calling. And when we do that, boy, I'm noticing the effects of the enemy. His tactics change. Do you notice? He doesn't really tempt with flowery things anymore. Do you notice? Anybody else notice that? I notice that. Like here, here, you know, let me, let me tempt you with this, this great business. You can, you can get it, you can work 10 hours a week and you can have, you know, make $500 million. You know, let's say that was true for a second. You know, if that wasn't God's will for your life, that would be a temptation from the enemy, right? We're not noticing that anymore. We, we used to. You used to notice it a lot. Because I, I, think, I think Satan's pretty good about getting those things, people's minds, where he needs them to be in that way. But you don't notice them anymore. His tactics have changed. You know, his tactics lately, had, then we went through this cycle of fear. You know, where tactics of fear, and he'd come after somebody in fear. And, and that started to subside. I've noticed that subsiding. It doesn't mean there's not fear here and there, but, but overall, that's not his tactic anymore. You know what his tactic's been lately? Coming against our love. Taking people that we love and turn them around and call us what, what they think we are call us names, whatever, whatever the case may be. That's been his latest tactic. And by the way, just like all the others, as we move through this tactic, if we stay pressed in to Jesus Christ in relationship with him, we will work through this as well to where that tactic doesn't give him any authority either. doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. They all hurt. They all hurt. But it will subside because it doesn't have any effect. If we keep pressed in to what God wants. And see, God is bringing a war. You can put up that last, last slide there. This is the slide he gave me during the week. Sorry, I just thought of a joke. I don't want to derail. Thank you, Lord. See, war is coming. War is coming. Don't don't think for a second that whether you follow intimately relationship with the Lord or not, you, you can avoid it. You can't. Because, see, you're given a choice. We've talked about it a thousand times, this line in the sand. You're given a choice to be cold or hot because lukewarm will not be allowed anymore. If you choose hot, which most have, understand that there's going to be war. Why? Because you're part of the army. I mean, it would be a little silly to put an army together if there was nothing to defeat. But see, there is. In the readying of the bride, there is an enemy that has to be defeated. 
So don't, don't be surprised when things come against you. Don't be surprised when your best friend questions your sanity. Don't be surprised when your family have an easier time believing that the earth is flat than believing that God can actually speak to you. That's tough. Why is it so hard for people to believe that the God of the Bible is actually the God of the Bible? That he actually speaks to his people. I don't understand that. I don't understand why somebody wants to think that that all of who God is is only contained in 66 books written by 40 authors. And all of it can refer to me, but nothing of it is intimate to me. Because I don't see my name in there. Well, I guess I see my first name. First name's Paul, but... Right, but I don't see my life in there. I wasn't even alive. But I can glean onto these principles and I can live a good Christian life. You know what? You know what that is to God? That's the lukewarm that will be waste under His feet. Because there's nothing that He can use in that. There's nothing but pride in that. But it's when we say, Lord... I just want you. He begins to show us that pride that keeps us from Him. And then when we give it up, then He shows us the love that He replaces it with. We need to get out of the aspect of our minds how we think on this earth of somebody being great or small or big or little, whatever. Remember what Lana said. The remnant are people that the church does not know. By the way, the Lord's told us that. He's told us that's why we're small, that's why we're kept small. And yet, you know one of the biggest questions we get all the time, got it this past week. Well, what are you going to do when, when a whole bunch of your church goes to Nigeria and, and then you're going to just be smaller? Woohoo! Amen. I don't know what we'll do. What, what do I care? We'll have more room so people can have nicer chairs. It, it really doesn't matter. Do you understand? That's not, that's not my problem. If it's one person or if it's 10 million people, it should be no different from our perspective. We just step when his voice says step. But yet, we know what he has promised. And Lonnie even talked about it in her prophecy. We know that he has promised to not only fill this place, but he said that he will fill stadiums all over the world. So, not sure how we get from here to there, but I don't care. See, I don't care. Because I don't have to worry about the steps going forward. I just have to think about that next step and say, Jesus, here's my feet. Plant them where you want them to be. 
So I'm not saying this to diminish any hope, because God gives us prophecy for hope. The Old Testament is filled with prophecy to give Israel hope, even though they turned away from it time and time again. Let us not be the same. In fact, we can't be because we are the instrument that God is going to use to show Israel what they were supposed to have and what they can have. So just recognize when, when He promises something to you and it's, and it's a, not something that you just made up, but it's, it's something that's been confirmed and He's shown you in your heart, that's to give you hope. Because hope produces faith. You can't have faith in something you don't hope for. When we hope for relationship with Jesus Christ, he builds an avenue of faith to encounter that. How many here, don't raise your hands, it's rhetorical, but if I were to say, that you have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You know it. He is your best friend. You talk to him and you have this intimacy of relationship. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you would raise your hands? How many of you would proclaim that? And then if I were to ask, okay, then of those people, how many of you have seen Jesus in the flesh and given him a hug? Nobody. Nobody. So how do you have that relationship? You have it through faith. The one thing that pleases God. Isn't it funny how it works out that way? The one thing that pleases God is the very thing that gives us access to that relationship. And as we do that individually, then he begins to put us together. He begins to put this plan together, this overall plan that he has been planning since before even the creation of the world. We live in a unique time, guys. In a unique time. I want to, man, I've been telling the Lord this lately. Because I don't really get to do it on Sunday mornings. But I've been praying and asking him for an avenue to... Do teaching on certain things. And, and one of them is eschatology. And one of them, you know, this idea of, of what can we expect from the Word of God, you know, in, in terms of what the Word of God says is going to happen. And so I, I know he's going to afford an opportunity there at some point. But I could tell you this. We live in probably the most exciting to outside of the Lord being sacrificed on the cross and raising from the dead. We live in the most exciting times in all of Earth's history. I mean, more so than Adam and Eve in the garden. I mean, to me, that was kind of a downer anyways because of how it ended for them. But, but do you understand where we're at and what we get to be a part of? If you choose, you don't have to be. Because that's the hot versus cold. But what God is about to do. It's going to change the world. Alexis, come on up. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart. And you can finish this.
from the beginning of Greg's message, the Lord just kept repeating over and over Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And we know those verses very, very, very well. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. It's, it's interesting that the familiarity of those verses, we know that we know that we know. And yet I was thinking, when he mentioned the word familiar earlier, I thought, boy, if I walked a path only familiar to my upbringing, to my ministry experiences, uh, I will tell you very, very quickly, I would not have stayed beyond a matter of days with this calling. Um, the Lord said to us, I'm going to do a new thing. And yet we still, we still grasp in our flesh for context of something that we can possibly understand. And the battle has been rough. It has been rough. As I look at, you know, it's, it's interesting that as, an, as adults or as a couple, we could be like, okay, yeah, we could do it. But when we look at it through the lens of our children, you know, I went for almost 15 years unable to have a child after Brooke. And then the Lord gave me Yvonne. He could have brought Yvonne right after Brooke, and she'd be an adult like Brooke at this stage. He knew that he was going to call us to a ministry that all I have ever, I never even heard about people that even spoke of a house church. All of my years growing up and early years of ministry, the only ones I ever heard of were in other countries where they were being persecuted and had to hide in houses. So it was always something of a matter of connected to me with danger. So when I think about the fact that, well, you need a children's ministry. You need this. You need that. You know, if I lean on my own understanding as a mother, I would think that this environment is not what she needs to equip her. But the danger in that is that I then take everything out of God's hands. How do I know that God isn't equipping her exactly the way she needs to be equipped by extracting her from the church environment of children's ministries, which I love. They're wonderful. I am for them. We have plans for them when the Lord opens those doors. But when we lean on our own understanding and we don't acknowledge him in all of our ways, we get it's a dangerous place to be because it allows us to then entertain doubt. And doubt leads to very, very deep, radical, we talked about it downstairs in the ladies' class, but we, radical deception. And so take that even familiar verse and just think in everything that Greg has said. Whenever you feel this, this pushing back, like Lana said, you know, this push and pull, as people even are pushing and pulling at your life, they are coming from their own understanding. That's the context. That's all they have. All I have is the perspective of my life, humanly speaking. I have the perspective of my parents, my upbringing, the things that happened to me, didn't happen to me. That's where I'm coming from apart from God. So the only way there we can be in unity is through one spirit, through God. And so that this idea of surrendering to him and letting us letting him show us this new path um it's a hard road because we have to literally set aside all of our logic all of our understanding and in this greek thinking uh christian realm where where logic rules and reigns it is very very difficult 
to receive the word that Jesus gave to the widow or to the um, uh, to the Samaritan woman, which was, "You're to worship me in spirit and in truth." The true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth, not in the Greek thinking logic of their intellect, hoping to understand principles so that they can then, okay, I get that principle, so now I'm going to take that principle and I'm going to live this way. And it's all flesh, 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 will, will, will. Principles of God are beautiful. They're wonderful. But man, they got to have the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And this uh, remnant calling is, uh, is very, very exciting. There is nothing scary. Um, it's a little bit outside of our flesh when you think about the war coming, but how, do you, how are we an overcomer? How are we a conqueror if there's nothing to conquer? Um, you have to be in, in a battle, in something, to be, to be a winner, to be a, a victor. And so I'm excited as I see what God is doing, what God is opening up. Because, and we talked about this downstairs, we already, you have to just, I already know I can't do it. So if, if something ever um, scares you, when you hear these things, if you ever get an evil foreboding of something that's around the corner, that's the suggestion of fear from the enemy. Because, see, God already knows our limitations. He already knows what we can't do. It's only I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not I can do all things because they strengthen me. You know, it, it has to be in Christ, through Christ. And um, so when you just place everything into his hands kind of like we know that we know that we know but the reality of that really hit me as i'm thinking about this um even one of the worship songs about laying it down laying everything down and not my will but thine be done you know we get so christianese in our talk and the only way that the lord can um, prove out our heart's intent is to put us through the refining fire to have the resistance um if there's not a resistance we don't know even the strength of our pushback and uh, so I am thankful for that. And uh, I know that I'm just, we, I just can't, every single day I have, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is, was introduced to me deep within my heart um, through uh, Greg's grandmother, Eva. She put that on all of her cards uh, when she signed anything. She even put it on little tags on gifts at Christmas time. And everything was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, and as I started to really dig deep into that, I thought, wow. I've lived most of my life wanting God, but leaning on my own understanding. And the sad part about it is, um, and some of us have talked about this, but we don't even know what we don't know. So how could we possibly lean on understanding that we don't even have? God has to guide us. He has to lead us. He is the one that opens the door. And so when everything seems like it comes against you, um, because the argument clearly can be made that well if you only if you only let god confirm you uh give be your confirmation then how are you held accountable by the body of christ around you how are you ever ever able to receive good advice well we do we we listen but we prove everything out when you listen to these sermons prove them out with the lord Mm -hmm. and if there's ever a discrepancy in your heart against what is preached here come to greg come to me come to the teacher of the class and, and work that unity out. Don't let it be something that sticks in you as an offense that you take and allow the enemy to come and deceive you into thinking that, okay, now there's no agreement and something is wrong. That's part of the unity and love of, of the brethren, of you know, the bride of Christ. So um, I, I just, that's really all I wanted to add because um, it was such a great, a great word. But uh, 